Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Thanks for listening. Waste not, want not. That seems almost biblical to me. My parents would force us at dinner to sit and eat every pea, every kernel of corn, and the, quote, clean your plate, unquote, was heard so often I thought it was the family creed. I wonder why they were, they were so persistent and willing to die on this hill with us kids. My dad was born in 1914 and my mom, 1919. I'm the baby and my mom was over 40 years old when I was born. My dad was a teenager when the Great Depression hit, 15 years old to be exact. His dad passed, and he went to live with his grandfather on the tobacco farm in North Carolina. His grandfather was mean, drank moonshine, and would often take his meanness out on my dad in the form of beating him for the smallest infraction. My dad left after two years, and struck out on his own. He didn't finish the eighth grade, worked any place he could, and finally moved to L.A., that's lower Alabama, and found a job in a paper mill. He worked there 37 years. After getting the job, he sent for my mom, who arrived in Mobile via the Greyhound, and together they built homes, raised five kids, and we generally had a good life. One constant in our family was a very big family garden where my dad grew everything from tomatoes to potatoes, from cucumbers to okra, and from corn to watermelon. We grew it all. We grew because we needed to. My mom would can, my dad would figure out what to grow next, and each year we were expected to contribute. If we ate, we worked. That's definitely biblical. We never wasted anything. I guess we were a bit on the low side of middle class, and I didn't even know it. Clean your plates, waste not, want not, and if you eat here, you work here. These were the ideals and values that came to us, to me, regarding food. 43% of all food waste now comes from mine and your refrigerator. That's terrible. And Christy and I, my wife, have determined some time ago to shift our grocery buying habits to limit waste, and we've been successful. Food waste is a major issue, challenge, and opportunity. Today, I'm super proud to have one of the nation's foremost authority on food waste with us on Food for Thought. He is Kirk Mays, the CEO of the nationally recognized Forgotten Harvest, located right here in southeast Michigan. He's with us. He's with Jerry Brisson and me. And the three of us are back in just a moment after this commercial break. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio. Jerry, great to have you back, as always. It's great to be here, and uh, and really, really good to be here with my good friend, Kirk Mays, who has really 
continue to move the conversation forward in our area about how do we actually solve this problem of food security and not only how, but what are all the things we got to think about as we keep moving this issue forward. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here, Kirk. Likewise. Good morning, gentlemen. It's great to be with you again. So, Kirk, you are the CEO for Forgotten Harvest. And um, when we first started the show last year, um, we had you here to talk with us. And um, that show really concentrated about how Forgotten Harvest and Gleaners were working together and y'all's relationship. I think it was a great leadership picture. And uh, I think the, the, the general public really appreciated to know that, you know, you two are, are taking the uh, – I guess the approach of we're here to complete one another, not compete with one another. So I'm just going to guess, and I already know since y'all are all both on the board of directors of Food Bank for <laughs> Council of Michigan, that that re- working relationship is continuing into this year. Sure. Uh, it's, it's ongoing. It has to be. Uh, we uh, not only talk about food, we talk about um, how our operations work and how we can think uh, more strategically about, mm-hmm. you know, improving our impact for the community all the time. So we were just all together in Tampa uh, recently for the Feeding America annual conference, which we're all members of Feeding America. And that's our national organization of food banks and food rescue organizations. Um, and I was amazed at the emphasis that came out there and also here in Michigan and across the nation about food waste. Mm-hmm. And I know you just had one of your principal leaders at uh, uh, at Forgotten Harvest, Mike Spicer, out in Las Vegas presenting yeah. at a food waste conference. Yeah. American Farm Bureau has a campaign out. Kroger has a campaign out. Um, Feeding America now with that, out of that conference is talking more about food waste than I've ever heard. So I want to get your reactions to that. Yeah, so uh, Mike Spicer was uh, able to uh, go and represent the organization at the uh, Waste Expo, actually, which was a conference uh, pulled together by the um, waste management in- industry. So hmm. um, as, 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 you know, the look at disposing of all of our, our, our waste um, in our society, um, they had a special breakout session just to kind of understand what some of the innovations are in, in food waste and how people are recovering food waste and using it and, and, and how that's being done. And we gave, we're given an opportunity to present there uh, to kind of talk about how our model works. Uh, so it's just an example of how not only, like, as you mentioned, uh, where the conversation it, contextually is coming up in so many different arenas that, you know, this is a big issue. This is a big issue that uh, presents itself as uh, a, a high potential environmental impact um, mm-hmm. where the methane gas, if we just kind of ignore this and let everything continue to do what it does, uh, when the when the food gets to um, a, a landfill, and a lot of times the tragedy of that is a lot of this food is still good food. When it gets to a landfill and it begins the de- decomposition process, it releases methane gas and it's, you know, 20 to 30 times uh, more harmful than even the, the if, if fuel emissions coming out of your car as far as a, a, a greenhouse gas, it, the, the impact it has on our environment. Um, and then when you think about what it takes to produce uh, the food, that doesn't get to people, you know, right. the the burger that comes from the cow that, you know, literally it takes probably about 11 hours of you running your shower straight 
of of watering that 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 food you know making sure that cow has everything it needs in order for it to um to be able to produce that burger and all the human capital and everything that was lost and all of that it's just a tremendous loss for us to not get that product to people um so what we see i think is the fact that as business and as our society at large are being more focused on the on the challenge and, and some of the, the 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 production of what that challenge produced you know the outcomes of that challenge uh, we also see tremendous opportunities. Hmm. You know, what could happen if we were able to not only uh, come up with more effective or efficient systems of our food production, but also what could, what could we do with um, this, this produced resource, mm-hmm. um, not only for addressing some of the, the gaps in our society for people who are in need, but other ways of, of seeing if we can turn that energy into a useful uh, resource for um, other reasons. So it's a hot topic for good reasons. Um, it's a big it's a big problem. If we don't pay attention to it, it's going to eventually uh, tap us on the shoulder and make us pay attention to it. Right. Um, it's already pretty much there. Uh, and and if, if we do something proactively to address it, we can actually uh, do a lot of good in mm-hmm. order to uh, help with some of our enduring problems that we already have. So... It's a great topic. We should spend a whole bunch more time on it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna spend at least a couple more segments on it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, got a thought? Well, a lot of thoughts, but I I want to affirm your your um, idea that there are things we can do. And I want to give a concrete example. Both of our chief operating officers this week were at a meeting at Kroger, Michigan, yeah. to talk about how to connect food that they're making every day. This is food that, you know, the biggest growth segment in grocery is prepared food. But the problem with it is you don't know how many people are going to come in and buy the salad or buy the the baked chicken or or whatever it is that you've just made. And so by itself, it creates an opportunity for waste. And our chief operating officers together were at Kroger talking about how do we turn that prepared food into opportunities for hungry families and do it in, in a very efficient way so that as much as we can help Kroger not even feel the the loss, mm-hmm. that's what our goal is, right? So that food doesn't end up in a landfill and ends up with people that need it. And I think that's just a concrete example of, of what you mean when you say there are opportunities sure. to address this problem. Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, the opportunities in some respects are so vast that, you know, if we don't put our heads together and our hands uh, some of them will slip through our fingers because our collective fingers, um, right. because you know the capacity that we need in order to address it properly is a regional capacity, and and we are more prepared to do that together than we are trying to work into two different corners. He is Kirk Mays. He's the CEO of the nationally recognized Forgotten Harvest, located right here in Southeast Michigan. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. And the three of us will be right back here on WJR in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back, everyone. Food for Thought here. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight with Kirk Mays, the CEO of Forgotten Harvest. And uh, Kirk, what are, I love, I love the super positiveness. I love that about you. Um, I love your thoughtfulness. And in this arena, you are definitely one of our nation's thought leaders. Thank you, man. So it's easy to say because it's absolutely true. Um, What are some of the other opportunities that are in front of us that you said in the first segment we need to put our heads together, but we also need to put our hands too? 
Sure. So, you know, we're, I think one of the great projects to point at would be like, you know, what we're doing together as a state with the, fl- the flash freezing, mm-hmm. um, you know, opportunity. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the fresh vegetables that you're buying um, in the store. Um, that are cut and they're segmented perfectly. You know, they didn't. They obviously didn't start that way on the farm. And there's places that have sophisticated operations to make sure that you get that picture every time you open that bag. Well, you know, in everything that's done with human hands, there's always some room for error. And there's opportunity for all of us statewide to be able to get, um, you know, almost fully processed foods or foods that as they go through the process um, you know cycles may not have come out with retail specifications that you know uh, every consumer is, is, is looking forward to so here's an opportunity that we can all work together to get you know octagon shaped carrots or whatever it might be or you know pureed blueberries or something that we could actually figure out how we can actually turn that into a commodity for families and didn't you guys just get some of that so larry weber is leading that iql project it was able to secure some some puree and what did you guys doing with that so that uh we went to several of our partners who are who make wonderful soup or wonderful sauces and we said to them look we have a product it's perfectly good it's frozen so it can last for quite some time but it is in its basic form pure carrot puree so what do you do with that well we're turning it into a sauce. We're turning it into a sauce that's good on chicken, that's mm-hmm. good on vegetables, that's mm-hmm. good on rice or potatoes. Mm-hmm. It's a very versatile sauce. And we're adding literally less than 10 cents a serving mm-hmm. to turn this carrot puree, which is perfectly good food, but what do you do with it, into a product that people can use. Right. So that puree will not go to waste. And for a very low cost, we're going to be able to turn that into something that people can use to to you know enhance their dinner tomorrow yeah and i think there's tons more opportunities like that you know as jerry mentioned uh both of our operations uh leads were were at kroger you know talking about what what we can do to you know extend our relationship to capture more prepared foods you know the Mm. the items in the deli um the things that may have been already pre-cut meats and that kind of stuff you know working together uh, i think we could both mitigate any of the the gaps we we may have felt in the past and and really capture more of that food um, and and really look at it as a a partnership where we can start with Kroger and then go to some of the other retailers that we know we have great relationships with already and really just extend a partnership to get more food out to the community. Um, You know, as I think more, uh, there are some other opportunities, you know, as, as, as fuel costs and as 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 uh, you know transportation costs right. rise, um, I'm sure there's going to be some other ways that we could look at our at our hardcore infrastructure and ask ourselves, you know, can we help each other with moving things uh, from place to place in a more effective manner um, right. to fill some of our operational gaps that might be there. So. Uh, there's just a tons of ways that I think we can continue to think about this together. And the need, um, as we know, is not going away. Uh, Michigan, or actually Southeast Michigan, is is identified as one of the, the top five areas in the country impoverished, in, in you know, um, just as a recent study to unfold. So as our economy is coming back, and even as the Michigan economy coming back, our area of focus, Southeast Michigan, is hurting still, and it's and it's struggling to still come back. Um, as we talk about Detroit's turnaround, 
remember we're looking at a turnaround that's truly fueled by the inf the 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 infusion of um, capital that has a vision that is tied to a downtown and midtown area that really um, has new people, new dollars, and, and new life that brings uh, a new future that's potential for Detroit. But the problems that the city had before all of that started are still there. And the people that are still there are still hanging on um, to a space. They're still hanging on to their, their, their neighborhood and their city. And they still had the same problems that were there before people started investing in downtown and midtown. So we still got a lot of work to do. And right. we still got a lot of people who are dependent on us to be good at what we do so that they can actually put a meal on the table for their kids and for their for their for their um, their grandmothers and grandfathers. So and one of the things I would add to that is we have um, we're trying to change the conversation about food insecurity so that people can believe and really truly can see that this is a solvable problem. Mm -hmm. Well, when you talk about people in the economy and moving the economy forward and why people aren't all just swept up in the new economy is because there's a belief that has to happen there, too. It yep. does take time for people in the community to learn how to participate and they need our engagement and they need to be engaged and it takes that partnership yep. in order to make sure everyone's participating and there's great things going on but there's great challenges and in the meantime making sure we can take hunger off the table is one thing we can do that needs to be done in order to see everybody moving forward absolutely it's a it's a tremendous mountain to climb when you think about a phenomenon such as your city being reinvented right in front of you right under your feet you know i mean you at least had the advantage that when you you know that you, your life circumstance pull you to a place where you got to pick up and move and go to another place, mm -hmm. that you're kind of preparing yourself to live in Rome or do a Caesar because you're going to another place. But, you know, what is the preparation to to get somebody, you know, in an attitude where as your city, your, the place where you were standing is changing to actually acclimate to that new environment? You know, that's a, that's a tremendous, you know, paradigm for people to actually absorb and to just expect that you throw new opportunity in front of people and they're just going to go grab it as if they were going to a new place and trying to a new life you know some people may be stuck in this cycle where they're still trying to find that old life because they're still in the same place and we're recreating a place right in front of people and the struggle we have is trying to bridge that gap you know how to get people between today's reality and what they were li living and struggling with yesterday and sometimes every day uh, food is just a hard thing to, to put their hands on and if it's taking a lot of your time and energy it's taking away your opportunity to participate in some of the things that that will help you and your focus yep. you know and and that's that's why food insecurity is the is the jargon that we prefer to, to pivot to instead of ending hunger because if I could take that insecurity away if we can relieve that insecurity of not knowing where your next meal or future meal is going coming from we could also help you with that can also hopefully help you with refocusing your energy and attention towards some of the things you need to do to really progress in your life well a couple of principles there and the first one is if you're hungry you only have one problem right because exactly. your mind's not free it's held captive by that toxic stress of food insecurity the second thing is uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link so one of the questions we get a lot, and just recently from the state budget director when we were in chatting with him is, you know, the governor's going to ask you this question, Phil, when you're, when you're coming and talking to them about our projects and our partnerships, 
I've worked my tail off to get this unemployment rate down below 5%, but yet you're distributing more food across the Food Bank Council of Michigan's network than you ever have before. And I can't balance those two things out. This is a question from the state budget director, which you know probably is an answer longer than we have left in this segment. But concise to say that over 50% of the people who are coming to our network are working. Yep. And I think that's right. part of the conversation right. that has to be changed. Now, are they underemployed? Probably. Yep. Are they not making the difference between being above the poverty level and being self-sufficient? Absolutely. We know that's true from our studies. Mm -hmm. And so as what you guys are talking about here, can we take hunger off the table and replace it with access to healthy, nutritious food? At least we take one of those trade-offs that people have to make at the end of the month out of their life. They don't have to do that. And now their mind's going to be freer to address some of the other opportunities that are happening in that paradigm shift that you described. That's exactly right. So it's pretty exciting to have this conversation with you two. As always. In fact, I, I, I shared with your communications director, he was trying to prep. He said, what do I need to do to prep Kurt for this show? And I said, nothing. Because <laughs> we have these conversations quite often. Yeah. It's an honor to have you here. Kurt May, CEO of Forgotten Harvest, Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be back on Food for Thought in just a moment. Come back and be with us as we continue on Food for Thought. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Kirk Mays, the CEO of Forgotten Harvest. Or we're together here in the studio. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. And gentlemen, what's next? Yeah, so, you know, as we look forward, uh, all we can really anticipate is that, you know, as our economies are changing and as our uh, local systems are improving, uh, we're still we're still seeing a lot of people who are in need. So mm -hmm. as we're thinking about ways that we can um, be more accurate with how we serve the general public and how we how we serve our, our local community, uh, we're looking at becoming smarter first. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited about the partnership that we started a few years ago, Jerry, uh, with Link to Feed and collecting data. You know, we've both gone at it in, in, in somewhat uh, different fashions, but together, you know, uh, where it, at each of the sites where we're, we're serving the food, uh, we're now collecting um, a pretty good data about, you know, some of the conditions that people are dealing with, some of the areas they're getting other um, help in their lives, whether it's subsidized home and, or uh, subsidized housing or whether it's um, health help help assistance with, with their children, um, some geographic information about where people actually live in. That's going to help us um, be much smarter about how we distribute food. Mm -hmm. um, Forgotten Harvest being more of a what we call a push model uh, because the food comes into us through these donations and uh, we're not really ordering the commodities that we're serving out to the community. A lot of time we have to, in a, in a coordinated fashion, send the food out to, to our, our local uh, distribution partners without really much choice on both sides what we try to do is do the best of mixing everything that we do have and our drivers do a great job of you know having a relationship with each of their their partner agencies to right. make sure that they got a familiarity of how many people get served and what kind of things they need but as we become smarter as an organization and do that um you know lockstep with gleaners we'll not only have a better appreciation of how we're 
covering the, the local population um, as individual organizations, we also are getting a chance to see each other's data so I can understand how many people that I might be serving, um, not only in my line, but also in Jerry's lines, um, mm-hmm. how that service is actually being offset, but from congregate meal sites to a place that may be serving people packaged meals that are intended to last a week as we make as we do these further analysis and we, we get a better idea of where people are actually living, not just understanding the numbers of people that is being served at a distribution site, we can also start to do a better analysis of how to do local and regional service so that we can look at neighborhoods and say, okay, if one particular or 10 particular places that we distribute the food are servicing an area that people live in these two zip codes, and we see that there's a high need in those zip codes, we can start to do some drill down and figure out if there's ways for us to do a better geographical coverage of that particular area and really see if we can stamp into hunger and stamp into that food insecurity in a more deliberate fashion instead of kind of just getting the food out to all of these great working distribution agencies and hoping that they're hitting the shots when they're getting the food out to people. Um, We can do a better job. And and the first step of of us doing that is getting smarter. And I'm really excited about that. I want to add just another thought to there, because I I think one of the difficulties with our work is that when people stop needing a pantry, you can't speak much to your success. All you know is they used to come and now they don't. Mm -hmm. Well, these tools allow us to get a little bit better about that, right? We can actually map the need in a community and see how many people are employed and how many are unemployed, how many are needing assistance and and how many are using child care services and other things. We Mm -hmm. can see that. Then we can see this is the food we brought together into that community. And you're talking about a lot of food. Gleaners and Forgotten Harvest together are distributing over 90 million pounds of food a year. Mm So this isn't a small resource. This is a lot of food going into the community we serve here in Southeast Michigan. Mm -hmm. So that food is hitting that neighborhood where we now see the need. And by collecting information about who got the food and where they lived, we can now see, are those people moving up and out? That's right. And so we can start to talk about our impact. And one of the things that's important for people to know is it matters that people do, in fact, move up and out of their dire circumstances when they have this help. And now we can prove it. So so it is exciting because from those proofs, we can engage more people in the solution. I, I'm going to tell you another reason why I'm excited, um, because uh, Southeast Michigan, ready or not, here it comes. We're going to give you the truth about who really is in need in our community. Right. You know, so I know when we talk right now about the need in our community, a lot of people inherently are just thinking about certain faces in certain areas. You're thinking about right. Detroit. You're thinking about poor folks. You're thinking about all of that. Well, you know what? Our data is already telling us what we already kind of knew, being very close to the situation. Hunger is actually pervasive in every county that you that we have in our state. Absolutely. And actually, um, there's probably more folks who are going through struggles than you can appreciate that you walk by every day and some of them live on the block where you live and right now work with you and go to school with your kids every day so what we're going mm-hmm. to be able to do with this data is not only be able to come back and let you have the numbers which are impressive of us doing like 90 million pounds a year soon we'll be able to, be able to tell you how many people are impacted by that exactly we're going to be able to tell you where what counties they live how that 90 million pounds and how the number of people that are being served are being dis- divided in that county soon we'll be able to go to our local 
local elected officials and let them know exactly how many people are in need in their constituent groups and be able to show people how the impact that we're doing right now is actually making a, a difference on their block. So uh, hunger is not something that's isolated to one community. It's actually uh, I, Forgotten Harvest is focusing on three, Wayne, Oakland, Macomb County. Jerry is focusing on five together. We are we are serving a large number of people. I'm not going to give you a number right now until I had a factual number. Um, but when you get it, I'm sure that it's going to be eyebrow raising to everyone. And at that point, we can really start having some serious conversations about getting this done in our state. So let me punt for a minute. Mm -hmm. I got to back up for just a minute. You guys, you two, are so unique. I've been in and out of nonprofit leadership most of my career, right? And I'm telling you two are absolutely unique. Mm. And here's why. Number one, you're both great leaders. You're both great influencers. But two, for two nonprofit leaders to sit here in this WJR studio and talk about data-driven decisions, a data-driven model, data-driven results, is absolutely separating. Now, that's not the word you thought I was going to say, because it, you two separate yourself from so much of the nonprofit work. I know it's about people, and I know it's about anecdotes and stories and we got to have those and you have those but at the same time if you if you if you're not approaching it with this data-driven model that you two are using and using together um we never know when we're having the impact that's right and so i just have to say that i think you two are both extraordinary i'm so excited that you're here in southeast michigan working together, and I'm just happy to have some small role in this, but I'm really excited to just watch. Well, I will say first, thank you, Phil, and thank you, Jerry. I mean, it is it is uh, an honor to work with, you know, folks who are like-minded and like-spirited and trying to get ser and getting serious about getting the job done. I also say there's some, some tremendous leaders in, um, in the nonprofit world and in, in, our, in our area, and we're going to need them, too. You know, and um, there are many folks who already have pretty sophisticated um, data systems in the mental health arena um, and homelessness and, and in so many areas. But it's time for us as a sector to start pulling this data together in many ways, like how the business markets do, so that we can be more predictive about the, the challenges that are coming in our society, so that we can be smarter about how we uh, implement solutions uh, for, for those things and how we create uh combinations and collaborations that actually come up with real uh, uh like real problem fixers you know yeah. where we can go in here and actually say we know based on experience and data that when you put these certain things together in these certain environments they work with with certain success well if we're going to solve this thing it's going to be us creating a solution piloting those ideas proving those ideas and then presenting them to decision makers yep. like our legislature, like right. our administration, because it's up to us to solve it. That's Nobody right. else is coming along. It's us. Yep. That's right. And I'm glad to be doing it with you guys. Kirk, thanks for taking the time to be on Food for thanks Thought for again. It's great to have you. Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought. You come back and be with us. We'll be right here.
It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here on Food for Thought. Thanks for listening, everyone. So, Jerry, that's Kirk Mays. Um, I'm going to say your partner, our brother, and a tremendous leader. You know, one of the things that makes opportunity is leadership. And Kirk has been an amazing leader at Forgotten Harvest. He's brought a lot to the table. He he started in the in the world of community organizing a lot of years ago, and he learned so much from that work about you really have to know what people need. In right. order to solve problems, you really have to know what people need and what are their circumstances, and then bring the people together that can solve those problems. And he and that you can hear in everything he said. The significance of information in problem solving. And so as we do pilots together, and we mentioned a few of them, but as we continue to imagine the future, it is from that place of let's understand the problem first, then let's understand the impact, and let's scale what works. So I'm going to get you to just be very wonky in the weeds here for a minute. So Kirk mentioned this. Gleaners, which you are the CEO and president Mm -hmm. of, is a pool model food bank. Forgotten Harvest, which he is the CEO and president of, is a push model food bank. Help our listeners understand the difference. Yep. So that's all about inventory. So Kirk's trucks start the day empty and they come home empty. And during the day, they fill themselves up and then empty themselves out. So why that's a push model is because the recipients of that food don't know what they're getting until the truck gets there. And depending on the route and depending on both the the intake and the output route, that might be different. So it makes his drivers have the challenge of making sure to mix what they have so everybody gets enough good stuff, right? right? I mean, think about it that way. Our model, we go get the food and bring it into our distribution center. Then all that food is put in inventory and it's online. So the agencies that we work with go online, they see what we have, and they pick what they need based on they know who based on how much they know about who they're serving, right? So if I know I'm going to have 100 families and I need, I want balanced meals for all those 100 families, I look at what's on Gleaner's inventory, I pick what I need for those 100 families, and when the Gleaner's truck comes, it has those things that I picked. Mm -hmm. Now, the truth is, it's a lot cheaper not to manage distribution centers, computer systems, and inventory that way. So, Kirk's model is very efficient. It takes all of the middle part of it out, and you need that model. It's really important, and especially if you have to turn the food fast. But you can't have 100 people coming to your distribution not knowing what they're going to get and hope it just works out, right? We have to be both. So it's both models working together. In order to do the job right. And the right mix of that based on cost is the ultimate goal. So Kirk and I are working together to make sure we have the right amount of each model to serve the community at the highest value at the lowest cost. That's great because, you know, all of Michigan is is food insecure. I mean, we have every community, as you guys said, is food insecure. But the highest concentration of food insecure population in our state is here in southeast Michigan. Yep. So it's great to have Forgotten Harvest and Gleaners stationed here, but it's really fantastic to have two leaders who are emotionally secure enough that they can embrace one another, love one another, and be for one another 
because it's really the people that we're serving that would pay the price if it was wasn't that way. I agree, and thank you for saying so, Phil. Uh, working with Kirk is an honor, and you know your contribution to this is making a difference too, my friend. Well, it's, it, we're doing it together. Time for a little food for thought. Waste is bad. Years ago, I lived in Tanzania, East Africa, and you may say, I've, hey, I've heard of that place. You probably did because of a woman named Jane Goodall, otherwise known as the Gorilla Lady. Jane has given her entire life to the preservation of these magnificent creatures, the gorillas of East Africa. I met Jane several times while I lived there and toured the preservation that she has founded and funded. The place is amazing, and nothing goes to waste. It's prompted me to read about her life, and when I read the following statement, everything I had observed fell into place. This is from Jane Goodall herself. Quote, I was born in London, in England, in 1934. I went through as a child the horrors of World War II. Through a time when food was rationed, and we learned to be very careful, and we never had more to eat than what we needed to eat. There was no waste. Everything was used. Waste not, want not, is more than an old saying. It is a valuable lesson learned from difficult circumstances. I hope we can relearn this lesson on the experience of others and apply it to our own lives today. Special thanks to Kirk Mays, the CEO of Forgotten Harvest, our sponsor, Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan, and as always, you can find our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. You can find me, Dr. Phil14, on Twitter, and that's it for this week. Come back next week and meet us here on News Talk 760 WJR. And until then, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.